a Podcast One production. Hi, welcome to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. In this series, we're taking you through tips and tools to help you feel less crappy and more happy. Last episode, we were talking about how to set good goals. In this episode, we're going to tackle snack attack, how to overcome emotional eating. Now, Cass, we have so many members and people we meet daily yeah. who who really struggle, struggle who with really emotional struggle. eating. It's really common, you know, mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's more of a problem for some people than others. It's, I guess it's one of those things that happens on a bit of a spectrum that you can have the occasional emotional Mm-hmm. You know, all been there. Snack. We've mm-hmm. all been there. But for some people, it's much more habitual and leads, you know, and much more of a problem in terms mm-hmm. of their health and weight and fitness and their whole self self esteem and mm-hmm. and and all of that. So I suppose it's useful to start with what are we talking about mm-hmm. when we are yes, when we say how do you emotional, define eating? emotional eating? Because when I have ice cream, I feel emotionally so happy. <laughs> Of course you do. Yeah, you know, like how do we define negative emotional eating? Well, I think when we start using the word negative, we're mm. talking about the the impact that it's having on your life. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be a bad thing. It's like mm-hmm. any of these things. They're not necessarily bad in and of themselves. It's it's only when, for you personally, you start to identify that this is becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about emotional eating, essentially what we're talking about is um any way you might use food to make you feel better. So that can manifest in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. It might be that you, you know, people call it stress eating or comfort eating. Mm -hmm. If you are feeling stressed or lonely or frustrated and you go to food for comfort. Mm -hmm. So I think we all have a sense of what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, It also manifests as, for example, you know, um, people who really have trouble tolerating big emotions you know, if they're uh, like really in emotional pain mm-hmm. and they want to stuff down feelings, you know, that actual right. sense yeah. of stuffing sort of down numb, your feelings, suppressing, mm-hmm. yeah, numbing, yeah, suppressing mm-hmm. your emotions with food. Mm-hmm. Um, and in another way, it's sometimes it can be almost like filling up if there's a sense of emptiness or mm. boredom or, boredom, yeah. you know, you're sort of filling a hole in your mm-hmm. life or filling a void mm-hmm. with food. So for different people will have their own different version mm-hmm. of what emotional eating means and, to them. And it can make you feel crappy, right? Absolutely. Because then if you're emotional eating, you can put on weight, you can well feel lower your mood. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, whatever it is that's making you feel crappy, mm. it's still going to be making you feel crappy after you've eaten that tub right. of ice cream. So you yes. haven't actually solved the problem. And, you know, mm. that's what we need to get to later in this episode is, a, you know, how we can find other ways to soothe those mm. emotions that don't involve food. Because the thing about emotional eating is that generally the consequence is that you feel worse, guilty yeah. and or, or shame. Uh, you know, you feel, you feel bad in your body, you feel bad in your, in your mind and the problem still hasn't gone away. So it's actually like a double, triple mm. whammy, you know, in terms of the, the crappiness. So... Can you define for us then what, what's the difference between like emotional eating and when, you know, binge eating or people who struggle with that? I think that really fundamentally the difference between emotional eating and binge eating is quantity. Okay. So I can be, like a person might be feeling bored and stressed and lonely and go and have a tub of, you know, a bowl of ice cream mm-hmm. and feel 
you know, That's feel better eating. in the short term. When we're talking about binge eating, the, the definition, the psychological definition of that is eating a much greater quantity of food than would normally be reason a reasonable amount of food to eat in mm-hmm. one sitting, usually eating it in a much shorter space of time mm-hmm. than you would reasonably expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, often also a sense of being out of control, like not having control over okay. that behavior. And is it usually secretive? So that can be off, yeah, often yeah. done in secret. So, you know, that's when we start tipping over into like a psychological, mm-hmm. like a binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. if that's happening frequently, mm-hmm. which is a you know which is an issue that requires yes. professional help and that's something to it's important to talk about that as well uh, because absolutely. a lot of people do struggle with it they do mm-hmm. but i think the everyday person who's eating emotionally mm-hmm. they you know there's a there's kind of there's a difference they're, mm-hmm. they're on a spectrum mm-hmm. again but there is a fundamental sort of a difference between just having the occasional you know stress mm. snack mm-hmm. and a you know chocolate bar and really eating you know, mm. large quantities of food mm. in a short space of time. And the emotional eating can really set you back if you have fitness or weight loss goals or, you know, even for the processing of these sorts of emotions, you're not learning how to no. deal with things that worry or stress or hurt you, huh? No, that's exactly right. There is not, it's, it's not a healthy way to cope. Mm. And, and also what we know is that that it becomes habitual, becomes very habitual for people, you know. So when you do a behaviour, whether whether it's emotional eating, whether it's drinking alcohol, like having a glass of wine, mm. or whether it's you know getting online and buying yourself, you know, sh- online shopping, these mm. are all things that we do, kind of compulsively, yes, to make ourselves feel better. Uh-huh. And I put them all in the same category. Any behaviour that you sort of do compuls- compulsively to make yourself mm-hmm. feel better has the potential to have. Um, has got that emotional component to it and has the potential to have negative consequences. But what happens is you get that immediate, again, we're back to the dopamine, you get that immediate Mm. dopamine hit, that reward center. It feels good Mm. temporarily, Mm. doesn't help actually in the long run, Mm. but that feel good hit that you get temporarily kind of wires that into your brain so that the next time you're feeling a bit crappy, your brain goes, oh, well, last time this is what I did and I felt better. So you go straight to that behavior Again, so when we're being mindless, you know, not really paying attention, you know, when you're kind of all caught up in your head and you're not feeling very good, you're just reacting kind of emotionally Mm -hmm. or habitually, you'll kind of go to, you'll default to these Mm. patterns of behavior, which don't necessarily serve you. So they become really routine. Yeah. And the emotional eating can make you feel crappy from, you have that high, the dopamine hit, and And then sugar, especially, there's a crash that's got that effect as well. Because it's a physiological crash as well as the the mood as well. And so you're just feeling so crappy. And then you get stuck in this, oftentimes people will get stuck in this kind of shame cycle. Mm -hmm. So, So you're feeling really bad. So you do this thing, like eat a big bunch of whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. ice cream or the Tim Tams or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you feel so bad about yourself that you almost kind of go back, go back in, around. Then your own coping strategy is to make yourself feel better is to eat and around and around it goes. Yeah. And then I've seen a lot with my members on TIFXO, they go on a huge fitness blitz, like they'll go on a long run or a punishment sort of exercise thing uh, to sort of like get rid of that emotional eating. That. Yeah, and then they, they're not enjoying the exercise, then they feel worse and it's like they move into like a starving, then stuffing cycle of like oh. exercise, then, you know, emotional eating, then, you know, it it's, can bring on all sorts of problems. Yeah, 
And I think, you know, that sort of extreme, mm. those extremes, you know, you're talking about like over-exercising. Yeah, um, compensating, trying to... It's even, just, but, you know, then there are things like even purging, binging purging, that's obviously right, disorder, yeah. laxative use, lots yeah. of things that people do to then try to negate. But like, what they should be doing is dealing with the emotion, not the... Ideally. The the habit yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Isn't it fascinating how our minds and our bodies work together and in emotional eating, it's not actually about the eating at all. It solves no problems. It's about the emotion. Exactly. It's got nothing to do with food. Mm. And this is fundamentally the difference between like a physical hunger and an emotional hunger. And oftentimes people can't tell the difference. Mm. They feel like they want food, but they're not physically hungry. It can feel quite urgent, can't it? Yeah. And oftentimes with emotional eating, it does feel urgent. Mm. Whereas a physical hunger will come on more gradually and it tends to be more kind of in your stomach, like you feel a rumbling in your stomach. Whereas an emotional eating will be very much sort of it's a it's a fixation in your mind mm-hmm. of you know focusing on on wanting to eat something mm. and it might be a very specific food that mm. you're craving whereas when you're physically hungry like you can almost eat anything whereas yeah. emotional eating you might tend to reach for that thing that makes you personally you know that you identify right. as a comfort so food. you could sort of see patterns of foods and what yeah. you, you're attracted to and things i always used to say to my contestants on the biggest loser who were in that position they were morbidly obese because of emotional eating yeah. and i'd always say just ask yourself am i hungry or am i hurting like great is question. it an emotion or is it in my stomach like you say rumbling great so question. if it is hurting is that something that just comes on in as an adult like how does that manifest? I was just going to say that's a yeah. great question. I also often use the question like what are you really craving? Like yeah. what is it that you really oh, need that. right now? Yeah. Um, so, you know, oftentimes some of these patterns start really early on in mm-hmm. childhood and I think people get kind of really um, interested in like where did this start and try to solve the problem. Is it because my parents, you know, oftentimes it does start if food is used to re- as a reward in your household or you yeah. get messages about food that you do have to eat everything on your plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of these unhealthy relationships with food can start really early on. And I would say that sometimes it might be useful to look into that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes actually we don't, I mean, we just need to deal with the problem now. Yeah. I think some people can get very fixated on needing to work out why this is happening and why do I do this and I need to understand myself better. Mm-hmm. And actually, as soon as you identify that it's a problem, then we just mm-hmm. need to, we can do things to start addressing that and turning it around. Okay. But yeah, oftentimes, yeah, it's not something necessarily that comes on in adulthood, though, though it might. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it starts earlier on mm-hmm. for sure and then it develops and it progresses and it, as I said before it becomes very habitual yes. it becomes very sort of routine mm. can emotional eating just suddenly come on like perhaps you've had no issue with it in your teen years or anything and then maybe you experience trauma or a difficult work colleague and then you find yourself emotional eating can it just suddenly happen I guess any of these issues mm-hmm. any unhealthy coping strategies can potentially develop at any time in okay. life. So what we're really talking about here mm-hmm. is not a food issue per se, it's a management of emotions issue. It is. So if there's not, you, you know, you might have never had an issue with mm. food, but you may have had difficulties with dealing with or processing difficult emotions. You might come from a family where you nobody, you don't deal with emotions mm-hmm. or, um, you know, there can be lots of different personal backgrounds that people might have. But I guess fundamentally the issue is if, if I'm not 
able to manage my emotions in a healthy way, then any of these other alternative ways of managing emotions may come into Mm-hmm. existence and may mm-hmm. then slowly develop and become more habitual and repetitive. Okay. Yeah? yeah, that makes sense. Well, then how do I deal with these emotions that can be quite confronting and hurt and icky? How do you, where do you start if you think that this is an, a, an issue for yourself? I think one really useful thing is to um, start by keeping a food diary. If you're a person Mm -hmm. who struggles with emotional eating, then I think it can be really useful to track. People find this very tedious, but it can be very insightful. There's some good apps that do it. There are good apps that do it. But so if you can start tracking what you eat and when you eat and particularly how you were feeling Mm -hmm. at that time, you start to see patterns of times of day, of people, of places and of emotions. That's interesting. That potentially cause you to eat food that you would not normally or food that you would prefer not to. Yeah. And I've had clients do this and say, oh my gosh, every time my mum calls Uh me, there you go. I go for X or Y. Yeah. And it can be a person who's a trigger or it can be, you know, something from childhood that comes up or a memory, but isn't that fascinating? Yeah, Yeah, it is. And you start to see those links and have those insights. And sometimes Mm -hmm. people already have a sense of what Mm -hmm. they are. But so I think you know, first and foremost, recognizing your own personal kind of weak spots almost, you know, Mm -hmm. like what your own personal um, trigger points Mm -hmm. are because they're different for everybody. Yeah. Um, I always say if we're talking about emotional eating, the key word is emotion. Mm -hmm. So it's about understanding what that emotion is, like you said, like what's hurting or, Mm -hmm. you know, what's, what are you really craving? Mm -hmm. And then it's about coming up with alternative ways to... Soothe Soothe. that emotion that don't involve food. And there are lots and lots of different options, Mm -hmm. but it needs to start with what is actually going on for me right now. Because, for example, if it's boredom, Mm -hmm. well, you might just want to go and do something, read a book or put a movie on or Mm -hmm. something, as opposed to if it's a feeling of loneliness, it might be call a friend or Mm -hmm. go and play with your pet or, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you know what the emotion is, that needs mm. to be soothed, then you much you have a much better chance of adequately soothing it, because you'll almost like apply the remedy that yes. fits the yeah that fits. So the food's problem. the wrong sort of medication here. Like that's yeah. not going to medicate and make you feel better. It's it's the mindfulness and self care stuff. Yeah, absolutely, Ab- mm-hmm. absolutely. So I always suggest to people, you know, we'll come up with a whole big when you're feeling calm mm-hmm. and relaxed and well, you know, like come up with a whole big list of things that make you feel good. Things mm-hmm. that you find soothing or comforting mm-hmm. um, and stick them somewhere where you can see them. Coming up after the break, we are going to talk about some of those specific things you can do to soothe other than using food. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. We're talking about emotional eating. Cass, you mentioned there are some specific tools that we can use to deal with the emotion in the emotional eating, hmm. what are they? Well, yeah, I think that by, by understanding what is the specific emotional need that needs to be met, then you have a much better chance of knowing what might be helpful to soothe that emotion. Mm-hmm. So this is where the food diary comes in and this is where, you know, really checking in with yourself about what am I really feeling, what's hurting right now, what's the what, what am I actually craving mm-hmm. can help you to know what might be 
a really appropriate and suitable response. And I think it helps to sit down and write a big list of these so that you almost yeah. have like a repertoire of little self-soothing. Nice things. Yeah, that you can draw on in that mm-hmm. moment when your whole you know, body and brain is saying all I want is mm-hmm. chocolate right now. Mm-hmm. You can actually take a breath and have something that you can go to to say, well, what else might I need? So, you know, for example, if you are feeling exhausted, Mm. it might be that you just need to lie in a warm bath, you know, relax, do some meditation or relaxation. If you're feeling lonely, you might want to call a friend and, um, you know, play with your pet, Mm -hmm. something like that, that feels that lonely, loneliness kind of need. If you're feeling bored, it might be that you need to, you know, read a book or listen to some music or take yourself out to a movie or, Mm -hmm. you know, again, like catch up with a friend. So Mm -hmm. if you know what it is that you're feeling, then you can kind of have a little arsenal of Mm -hmm. tools that you Mm -hmm. can draw on, you know, and there are lots of them. Go for a walk, have a warm shower, you know, diffuse some essential oils, Mm -hmm. Um, endless, endless options. There's so many and I find that a lot of our members talk about the emotional eating late at night you get stuck in your head and sometimes they might be on Facebook and it might trigger something because social media can be quite triggering in terms of fear of missing out or, (laughs) you know, self-esteem, all of those issues. And instead of watching the TV, like perhaps switch off the TV if you know it's going to bring on boredom and emotional eating and, and take up something else like, uh, one of my members suggested, you know, learn a bit of sign language or yeah. um, learn knit. how to knit, <laughs> um, start an instrument. I mean, there's so much you can do. Or just and relax be creative. And just read a book. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Flick through some magazines. I mean. Yeah, or go to bed. Yeah. And get some proper sleep. And that is that is so important, isn't it? Just an early bed can... Yeah. And so that is actually another... Like, I think managing stress generally, if you mm. know that you're a stress eater, if mm-hmm. the, and we hear that all the time, oh, this is my biggest problem, I'm a stress eater. Mm-hmm. Well, don't let yourself get too stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you can implement into your day every day that are self-care strategies, building in yes. regular breaks. Going out for a walk for 15 minutes at lunchtime is proven to reduce your stress in significantly. Nature. Being in nature or doing mm-hmm. something relaxing. 15 yeah. minutes out of your day um, has a massive positive so treat benefit. The, treat the stress. Yeah. yeah. And stress eating is so popular. And something that uh, I love doing is stretching. I, I start the day with a stretch. You start your day with meditation. And mm-hmm. stretching for me, I sort of like work it in there. And... Stretching is so important because it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system. And tell us about that, Cass, because it's so important because it switches off the stress chemical, doesn't it, in your brain? Yeah. And when you're stressed and obviously your cortisol Mm -hmm. levels are elevated, that's when you are most likely to reach for Mm. sweet, sugary snacks. That's actually a physiological effect Mm -hmm. on your body. But so the um, sympathetic nervous system is the bit that's responsible for, you know, the part of your brain gets aroused when you're feeling stressed or Mm -hmm. anxious. It's that fight or flight center Mm -hmm. of your brain that releases this cortisol and the adrenaline and gets you, gears you up for battle. Yes. Um, So just taking some calm, deep, diaphragmatic (sighs) breaths just for a minute has the effect of switching on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is actually like the relaxation response. Mm. So it's like telling your brain to stand down, it's all right, calm down the physiological arousal and actually put yourself more into a relaxed state. Mm. It's fascinating. You can't have that stress hormone and the relaxation hormone flooding your system at one time. You've got to switch one off and switch the other one on. on. Mm. So can you take us through diaphragmatic breathing? What is that? 
So we're talking about taking deep, slow breaths all the way into your belly. So when you're feeling stressed or anxious, you tend to shallow breathe. Breathe up in your upper (laughs) chest, that short breathing. I see people all the time, actually, obviously in my practice, and what I actually get them to do, particularly if they suffer from anxiety, is I count the number of breaths they take per minute. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that number will be sky high, like 18, 20, even 30, 33 breaths per minute. So you can imagine how short and shallow that breathing is. So then I ask them to just breathe in, like almost even just for the count of three, all the way to your belly. So you feel your belly rise and then breathe out. Yeah, so just breathing all the way in. And all the way out, oh, you feel it calms, instantly It calms better. you instantly. And how simple is breathing? And doing that for one minute, I find I will actually get people to do it just for one minute and then go back and count their natural breaths again and it comes right down. It actually has the effect of right after one minute slowing their breathing right down. So turning it, turning it around. It doesn't... Um, it doesn't necessarily drop it all the way to a really very calm state, but mm-hmm. it certainly will make a big difference. And those deep breaths are chemically changing your body. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, you might even want to just pause this episode mm-hmm. and do that for one minute. And what I will usually ask people to do is to get a watch with a second hand and actually mm-hmm. watch this, like count in for three and out for three. This is particularly for people who are over-breathing. So that gives you 10 breaths per minute. Obviously, in for three and out for three is six seconds. So that's 10 breaths per minute, which is a really nice, comfortable, calm breathing mm. space. So, yeah, you're welcome to try that, to just pause, press pause and Pauses now. spend a minute. <laughs> it's the only time we'll say it, but pause it and come back. <laughs> One of the ways I find is really effective in helping people to deal with emotional eating. I'm not a psychologist, I'm a trainer. Mm. It comes from meal prep. So if you prep some snacks and and some healthy um, food on the weekend, say, and it's in the fridge, it's there, when you feel that emotional eating is coming on, you just go and you have the healthy food in the fridge. It's already there. I call it like an SOS meal. Like it's urgent. You, um, It's a safety meal. And if you're really craving that sugar because you're stressed, you just go, okay, my SOS meal is a beautiful, you know, soup that I've got frozen in the freezer. I'm just going to pull it out. I'm just going to eat it and deal with it. So the physiological hunger is gone and you know, it's emotional. Would, is that helpful, Cass? Yeah, I think the more that you can obviously remove the offending mm-hmm. food items and have healthy options on hand, that's mm. obviously going to remove the temptation for mm-hmm. people. So having things that are quick and easy to grab, mm-hmm. I think maybe, you know, when you say, if I'm really craving something sweet, then maybe what I'm more inclined to reach for is some fruit or some mm-hmm. yogurt, not so much exactly. a soup, but, you know, so mm-hmm. you, there could be just having healthy options yep, that might snacks. satisfy that craving. And there are healthy, healthy ways to cook, you know, sweet things, absolutely, Mm. that Mm. you can have in the house um, that just moves you away from doing damage with something, you know, quite menacing like (laughs) ice cream or litres of ice cream or whatever. Not not that ice cream in itself is bad. No, it's not. So it's really an individual thing about a person identifying that it's Mm. become a problem for them. Mm. I would also, I think it's really important when we start talking about topics like this, and I mm-hmm. come back to this over and over, it's that self-compassion because yes. the more that people get self-critical and beat mm-hmm. themselves up, the more likely they are to maintain this behaviour and get stuck in that vicious cycle. That's so right. So mm-hmm. it has to come back to self-compassion, being kind to mm-hmm. yourself, 
it's not the worst thing in the world. Yep. You know, I'm not a bad person. No. Everybody has, you know, something, everybody's got their vices. Mm-hmm. You know, we all yeah. do. And that's okay. But, you know, and learning from a setback. So if I set out to, um, to you know, try to curb this emotional eating mm-hmm. habit that I know that I've I've got, mm-hmm. then occasionally there's going to be a setback and that's okay. But if I can learn from it and if I can recognize, oh, okay, so that was a trigger and maybe I could have mm-hmm. been a bit more prepared for that one. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to help me in the future as opposed to going into that, straight into that cycle of mm. what is wrong with me? I'm, I can never get it right. I'm hopeless. And this is the kind of self-talk that we know goes yeah. on. We've talked about the inner critic. Mm. Um, this is the kind of stuff that goes on that just creates more bad feelings, more guilt, and more of, the same, more of the same behaviour. And we're not saying that treats are bad. We are no. talking about emotional eating here. So, you know, it's not bad to go out and have an ice cream and a treat, whatever. We're talking about using that ice cream to deal with emotion. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, it, yeah, it does come back to the self-compassion. It does. And is that more of your mindfulness? And, Absolutely. Yes, it all comes back to mindfulness. <laughs> it's, mindfulness. it's just amazing. We love it. Listen, so, we love it. So fundamentally what mm-hmm. we're talking about here, all of this that we've been talking about so far is this idea that there is a lack of a capacity, for want of a better mm-hmm. term, to manage strong emotions or a fear of being overwhelmed by strong emotions. So people who partic- particularly who are like suppressing big emotions can be really fearful of being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness practice is about learning to sit with your feelings, like learning to sit with your thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. and not be, not have to run away from them, not have to suppress them or push them aside. And it's cultivating a capacity to tolerate that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And when you know that you can tolerate discomfort. You don't have to force anything out. You can just learn that it's actually okay. I can sit here. I can be angry. Any emotion that's actually fully felt and acknowledged and, you know, felt in your body um, and given some space moves through very quickly. We know this. Like it, yeah. emotions move on themselves very quickly. They What keeps them stuck and what makes them a problem is the more we try to resist and avoid and push them away or suppress them, deny them, you know, all of those things that we do and, you know, with food, with mm-hmm. other with mm-hmm. other strategies, um, which actually, you know, perpetuates the problem and makes yeah. it worse. So at the, at the heart of it, what we want to do is to be able to learn to be able to sit and to regulate our feelings and to know that that's okay, all feelings are welcome um, mm-hmm. and that I can handle that. And you say that there are no bad feelings, no, don't you? No, you can't be a human without having all of them. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be lovely to only ever have the happy, positive feelings. Mm. Very unrealistic. So mm-hmm. part of being a human on this planet is learning, to, you know, that we can actually, we're okay, we're going to experience the full range of mm-hmm. human emotion. Nothing's inherently good or bad. Mm-hmm. It all has its place and its time. You know, some are less comfortable for sure, but that's why I say we're just learning to tolerate some discomfort and then they'll move on. You know, yeah, because okay. happiness is a is an emotion too. It calms, it goes. It's not. We're not meant to be happy up all the time, are we? Part of happiness, to me, mm-hmm. when we're talking about crappy to happy, yeah. part of happiness is having a core belief, an inherent understanding that I can deal with anything. Yeah, like that's an inner strength. Like come at me, world. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't have to be afraid of my feelings. Mm. So that makes me feel it's an inner contentment, I suppose, and a peace and an inner confidence mm. that I can handle. 
I guess that's how you look at it. Like if you're experiencing failure and you feel uncomfortable, if you sort of look at failure as, well, I'm learning from my mistake and I'm going to be even stronger from that mistake. Yeah. And it's a challenge. Yeah. Then it can be positive. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's all got its place. It's very helpful. So if we just were to grab a cup of tea, sit there, do some deep diaphragmatic breathing and be aware of those uncomfortable feelings and sit with it. Mm. Practice that meditation. Will help us. Practicing meditation mm-hmm. again will help to build that because mm-hmm. that's all it is. It's mm-hmm. just sitting Practice. and noticing what's there and letting it be there. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And I think that's really helpful, Cass. And dealing with the emotion and the emotional eating, mm. not having the trigger foods around. Yeah. Not having the trigger foods around, but also not demonizing any food because mm-hmm. what we know is that as soon as you demonize a food, that's your mind fixates on it and it's all about. it wants. Yeah. So I think that's really important in this conversation as not well. Not demonizing the food and not demonizing the emotions as well. Yeah. No bad and feelings. Not demonizing yourself. Yes. Thank you, Cass. That's been so helpful. I hope it's helped you too listening to us today. Next on Crappy to Happy, we are going to be talking about sleep. Mm, Great topic. Give it a rest. We'll be back. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. We'll see you soon. Crappy to Happy was recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Nick Slater. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.